welcome to another episode of Sheffy's Sandbox. Sometimes I like to share with you guys recordings of readings that I have, partly so that you get an idea of the reader's style and you can decide whether or not you are attracted to that energy and if you would like a reading done yourself. I listened completely fascinated by this reading from Dana Augustine, aka the self-help witch. She was running a giveaway. So I jumped through the hoops and was entered in the giveaway and I won. (laughs) I loved that. I've said this several times before, but one of my primary love languages is gifts. I love great surprises. One of the things that was part of that gift package was she had partnered with Emily, I believe it is, and I'll link her in the show notes, but it came with the sacred space affirmation deck. So I look forward to carving out some time and digging into that. Also part of that, I got a personalized reading from Dana, which this will be the recording that you get to listen to today. And then part of that was a notion. And I think when I have her on the podcast, I have some questions to ask her about notion. It seems like so many people are wild about notion dashboards. And I'm thinking it's similar to the whole mania with Mac users, as opposed to Android. There's a people who are very enthusiastic about certain things. And I don't know that I have necessarily hit the groove with it <laughs> to find it my thing. So I am going to be asking her about that. So again, this serves a couple of purposes. You get to sense her energy, how she does a reading, see if you would want to book her for yourself. And then secondly, if it causes you to think of any questions you have about astrology that you would want to ask, hit me up with a question, send me a DM, because I will be having her on for an interview come Tuesday of next week. And I can look at the calendar real quick. That is going to be the 14th. Tuesday the 14th. So if you want to get your question in before then, I would be happy to pass it on and see what she says. I have different questions to ask her about this whole Saturn in retrograde transit that we are all experiencing. And also the question of a solar return chart. Is that the same thing as a progressed chart reading because last year you guys know that I aired the solar return reading I had done by spirit sis and I want to continue doing that every year and maybe get it done by different readers so again I can share that with you guys and you can kind of like I said get a taste of different people and see you know who resonates with you so Anyway, enjoy this intimate look into my natal chart. And yeah, let me know if you have any questions for Dana. Hey, April, it's Dana um, from Self-Help Witch, and I'm here with your birth chart reading. 
Thank you for your patience. Uh, we've got an inspection happening at my house in two days that we've been, we've been frantically trying to get ready for. So anyway, I'm happy to give this to you. I hope that it's helpful. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to start with a little bit of like my philosophical background, just so you kind of get an idea of where I'm coming from, since there's a lot of different ways to practice astrology. Um, and if you have any questions at all, um, I am going to have a follow-up call link in your notes that I send to you, so feel free to use that whenever you want. Um, you can also just DM me uh, or email me. I'm pretty available, so I'm happy to answer questions. So just to kind of start with how I approach the chart, um, I practice and have studied Hellenistic astrology. I do include, uh, and that's ancient astrology, like Greek techniques and things like that, um, However, I do incorporate the modern planets, so that's Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. Um, I do talk about Chiron, and so I'm not like purely Hellenistic, but I do tend to approach the chart in a Hellenistic way, which is to say I don't think that you are your birth chart. Um, in fact, most of the chart is actually not about you. It's about the context, the karmic spiritual context of your life, and it tells the story of... Um, your life, like that your spirit is here to live out. So through studying how the planets are situated within the chart, we can understand the path that your spirit is here to be on and the lessons you're meant to learn. And it can also really name and validate some of the harder things that we've went through. At least that's in my experience. So with that, let's start uh, with your son in Cancer in the ninth house. So the sun tells us about our spirit. Um, it's that part of us that's unchanging, that uh, lights us up. So it's our unique gifts. It's our purpose in a general sense. It also uh, speaks to the plot line of our lives. So the themes that are going to come up in our lives over and over again. Um, it, it can also speak to father figures. Your son is in Cancer. So Sun and Cancer people are naturally nurturing, they're caring, they're giving, they're also creative. Um, you probably know if you're into astrology that the first day of Cancer season is the summer solstice. It's when the sun is at its highest in the sky. So what that implies symbolically is that, you know, immediately after the peak, it immediately starts descending, right? So from our point of view, the sun is getting closer and that's meant to rep or to the earth, I should say, and that's meant to represent spirit coming into matter, spirit, the sun descending into matter, the earth um, slash the moon also represents the earth and matter as well. Um, so all that to say, um, that can tell you a lot about the themes of a sun and cancer person. Um, it's going to have a lot to do with manifesting things, with bringing um, specifically for you philosophies and uh ideas into the material world because your sun in Cancer is in the ninth house. Now, actually the ninth house, the sun rejoices there. This is known as the house of God, quote unquote, um, because it's the house of the higher mind. It's the house of spirituality, of doctrine, of um, divination, actually, and astrology as well. So that also gives you an idea of the kinds of themes that you might have experienced and will continue to experience in life because the houses tell us about how the energy of the sign and planets play out. A little side note, I forgot to mention that I use the whole sign house system. A lot of people use Placidus. 
Um, Hellenistic astrology uses the whole sign system. I can explain that uh, in a different video <laughs> or like we can talk about it if you're curious about that. But I just wanted to note that in case your chart looks slightly different than like what you're used to seeing if you use Placidus. So anywho, um, your son is in the ninth house, which as I said, is of higher learning, spirituality, um, and long distance journeys, whether that be literal traveling or the kind of philosophical mind traveling you do when you're exploring a new idea. So someone with the sun in the ninth house is going to be naturally curious, um, interested in spiritual philosophies, perhaps uh, religious, right, or interested in religion and exploring ideas around religion and doctrine. Also might just have a variety of religious and spiritual experiences throughout life. And there are other things in your chart that point to religion or some kind of like strict doctrine being a factor, which we'll get to. So let's talk about your moon. Uh, the moon, so if the sun represents our spirit, the moon represents our embodied state. It points to our material existence, like our bodies, our emotions, the context of our lives. So whereas the sun was like the plot line of the life, the themes, the moon is going to tell us more so how it actually plays out, how we embody the spirit of the sun, right? Um, so our emotions, the context, and then I can also speak to mother figures. So your moon is exalted. Um, and just a little primer on words like exalted, domicile, detriment. I'm not sure how familiar you are with astrology. I'm guessing because you are um, in holisticism, you've looked at your chart before. But in case you're not familiar with these terms, basically planets do better or worse in a given sign based on the affinity it has with that sign. So for you, we're talking about the moon in Taurus. The moon is exalted in Taurus. And that's like the moon is at its besties house. It's not the moon's house. The moon's house is Cancer. So the moon's not in its home, but it's in its best friend's home. So it knows where all the snacks are. It knows where the blankets are. It um, feels welcome there, right? It knows everybody there. And it has access to its resources in a different kind of way. So it's not its own resources, but it's it's able to access resources in general. So what does that mean? The moon is very comfortable here. And why might the moon be comfortable in Taurus? Because Taurus is all about stability and that's what the moon wants. It wants routine, it wants repetition, it wants to feel safe, nurtured and comfortable. And Taurus is very methodical, very stable, um, very embodied. And we just said that the moon represents the embodied state. So of course the moon does great in Taurus. The moon is approaching a conjunction with your descendant point and it's also co-present with Chiron. So this I think is interesting. Um, we're in the seventh house of committed partnerships. And this reads to me like uh, we Chiron's about healing, right? So Chiron's about healing. Your descendant line is about other people. It's about consummating things, finishing things. Um, and it's in your seventh house of partnerships. And then Uranus, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Uranus just came out of my mouth. I don't know why. Very Uranus moment. Um, so the moon is there with your descendant and with Chiron. So this tells me that your partnerships will be healing because the moon is in such a great place here. There's some kind of um, 
and Chiron's here as well. There's some kind of healing happening through partnerships. This may even be related to physical healing. Like the first thing that came to mind was like being in some kind of physical rehab and meeting someone really important, like a best friend or a partner. Like that's so random. Um, but that's one way this could manifest, right? Um, so a lot of healing in general is going to come from your partnerships. Um, and it could have to do with your physical body. It could have to do with your emotions. Um, I also think that this reads to me like some kind of healing um, from childhood through your partnerships. And part of that has to do with Jupiter and Saturn, although neither of them are really related to the seventh house in any way. Um, I think I'm just going to kind of put a pin on that for now because we're going to get into that a little bit more when we talk about Jupiter and Saturn. So now let's talk about your first house and your chart ruler. Your first house is the house that's most about you in the chart. It speaks to how you show up in the world. Oftentimes you'll hear like People online talk about the first house as the persona or the ego. That's not really what it is. Um, I mentioned the descendant line a moment ago. So the ascendant and the descendant create the horizon line in your chart. Everything on the top half of that line is the daytime part of the chart and everything below is the nighttime part of the chart. So both the ascendant and the descendant represent a meeting of day and night. It's an intersection of spirit and the material realm. Okay, so it's an important point. <laughs> and the ascendant is really about you. It is um, it is actually what determines the horoscope, which is your birth chart as a whole, because the descendant, or I'm sorry, the ascendant is defined by the moment you were born. So whenever I ask someone for their birth data <laughs> to calculate a chart, what that calculation does is figures out the ascendant, and that's what sets the whole chart. So that's why it's so important to have your birth time and why the ascendant is so important because it really is like the marker of you. It's the first moment that your spirit was made manifest, hence the intersection of the um, spiritual and the manifest world on the ascendant and the descendant. So the ascendant is about you. The descendant is about other people. It's what you do with other people. Um, but right now we're talking about the ascendant. So your ascendant is in Scorpio and it's co-present with Uranus. So this is speaking to deep transformations that probably are more of an inner experience because Uranus is retrograde and maybe being known in the world for someone who is deep and someone who isn't afraid to change. You might have a more like eccentric, some would say, or um, non-traditional appearance or the way that you carry yourself in the world, the way that you manifest what's going on inside you and how you feel um, is manifest in your appearance and the way you show up in the world. So that's a little bit about the first house. Now I've kind of alluded to the fact that all of the signs are, yeah, all of the signs are ruled by planets and I've used the term chart ruler. So when I say chart ruler, what I mean is the planet that rules the first house. And in this case, your first house is Scorpio. The planet that rules Scorpio is Mars. So your Mars is in the eighth house at 15 degrees. So 
let's talk first about the fact that Mars is in Gemini. Um, actually, let's talk about Mars. <laughs> Mars is aggressive. It's assertive. It's bold. It can have a penchant for fighting. It can be a little fiery. Um, it can also kind of be good at cutting, cutting people, cutting things. So discernment actually can be a, a positive, but it can sometimes be based on like um, reactions, right? Like that would be the, the negative way that could manifest. Um, but Mars is also very like, very courageous, um, very passionate. So it's not just all negative at all. There's good and bad, quote unquote, to all of the planets. So Mars and Gemini, when I think of Gemini, I think of curious, um, talkative, social, um, inquisitive, sarcastic, witty, all of these kinds of things. Um, and so Mars and Gemini is like ravenously curious. It is possibly socially assertive um, under the right context, because I don't think everybody's like socially assertive all the time or anybody is. But I do think that placement might be like, I when I know what I want, I go for it um, when it comes to relating with other people. Um, bold in their thinking, you know, because Gemini is an air sign and it is a lot about ideas. Like Gemini um, is a never ending idea machine. So there could be something about like wanting to pursue every idea, having a lot of ideas, really going for them. Um, my Mars is also in Gemini and I'm super curious. I am very stubborn sometimes about what I think. Um, it's hard for me to change my mind. There's some other stuff in my chart that speaks to that, but I could totally see that being true for you too, based on the way your chart is set up. This is also a placement that can be sharp-tongued because Mars cuts, and we're talking about Gemini, which is about communication and words. So there's a potential for cruelty even in the way that we speak. So that's something to just watch out for. Your Mars is in the eighth house. So this is the place of commitments and contracts. It is the place of other people's resources and esteem. It's also um, a place that can point to anxiety and death, which can be more about transformation and um, metaphorical death than literal death, but it can be about literal death. So this to me, if I have to synthesize it all, which is like <laughs> what a chart reading is, I don't know why I said that out loud, but anyway, this can be... Um, Pointing to a struggle with feeling heard. Like, I sense a strong desire to interact with other people and maybe um, a lot of anxiety around interacting with other people as well. So there's this kind of push-pull of like, I really want to put myself out there. I want to um, be heard and be bold and be courageous and share my passions. And in the same breath, um, I'm kind of afraid of it. Um, there's a lot of anxiety around it. What will they think of me? There's a lot of that happening. And that's reinforced by the fact that you've got Mercury retrograde. Um, so Mercury retrograde is not inherently bad. I know we talk about Mercury retrograde like it's the end of the world. But um, to me, there's a lot of uh, gifts with that placement because you probably think things through 
inwardly before like you you really think about something before you do it right so you've got to have the whole inner experience before you're ready to do something in the material world um so you're a little more that's actually probably helping your mars because your mars really wants to go for it and that might um cause some some hardship sometimes but um because Mercury retrograde is here and Mercury's in its home sign in Gemini. So it's in a good, you know, place to access its, its resources. You probably are good at like thinking through things. So you're kind of, you've got some restraint that's helping Mars a little bit um, to not be too bold, too, um, too anxious, right? Because again, we're in the house of anxieties. So um, this Mars might manifest as like a very manic mind. Um, and Mercury is in a strong place to say, well, let's think about this, right? So you might be good at just kind of navigating those anxious thoughts for yourself. Or maybe you've gotten good at it throughout your life, right? Because um, that's what life is. It's just like learning a series of lessons. So Mercury is helping you to, to learn those lessons. Okay. Let's move on to the feature of your chart that I noticed right away, which was Jupiter and Saturn conjunct in the 12th house. So I'm going to break this down, but just kind of a summary is you have an exalted Saturn in the 12th house. So a very strong Saturn um, and Jupiter is two degrees behind it approaching a conjunction. And I think that reflecting on this particular signature will help you understand how your childhood, the home you were raised in, the environment you were raised in, your communication style, your creativity and your money are all connected. So here we go. <laughs> we'll start with Jupiter and Libra in the 12th house. So Jupiter, as you probably know, is the bringer of abundance, but also of unity and cohesion. Jupiter sees the big picture and it brings things together. Jupiter is also about faith and hope because it's affiliated with Zeus. So it's really like the big picture, the big vision, um, and that kind of thing. Now, Jupiter in Libra, Libra is about weighing. It's about diplomacy and it's about discernment. So it's skilled. Jupiter in the sign is skilled at seeing all sides of an issue because that's what Jupiter's interested in, in anyway. But Jupiter in Libra is not going to favor one side or the other. It's going to be good at being objective. Um, it's logical, it's thoughtful, and it definitely is going to consider all sides of an issue before making a choice about something. Um, the 12th house is also the house of the unseen, the hidden, the sequestered, and the alienated. So that means that Jupiter is going to possibly feel separate from you, like all this kind of abundance, this kind of unity, this kind of cohesion. It might be hard for you to feel it sometimes. Um, it might feel like it's like, why is this happening to me, right? Like that might be something that comes up a lot. Um, and I'm kind of just going to wait to say more on this because what I say about Saturn is going to help explain a little bit more. So Let's talk about why this is a very strong Saturn. And I would say, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say definitely the, the strongest energy in your chart. Um, so Saturn is, as I said, exalted. Um, just like the moon is exalted in Taurus for you, which actually the moon might be your strongest planet. I take that back. But Saturn is exalted as well um, because it does well in Libra. 
and why would it do well in Libra? Well, Libra, as I said, is all about discernment and um, kind of deciding what stays and what goes. If you think about the beginning of Libra season being the fall equinox, that's when light and day are equal, but light is becoming less and less. So this is also the time of the harvest where we have to kind of decide like what we keep and what we get rid of, what we store, what we don't need anymore. It's a time of shedding. And so Saturn is really good at that um, because Saturn also separates and Saturn is uh, related to and represents darkness. So when darkness takes over, that's when Saturn's like, Ooh, I'm here. I'm ready to live. <laughs> so all that to say Saturn is really strong in Libra. And it also is strong because it's in the house it rejoices in. So in the ancient system, um, certain planets rejoice in certain houses. So Saturn is said to rejoice or feel really good in, kind of like an exaltation, the 12th house, which was called the house of bad spirit. So that means that energy in this house can make us feel unseen. We can also feel um, or be put in situations where we feel separate, alone, or isolated. So let's kind of put these planets together along with the fact that Pluto is here. So as I keep saying, Saturn is the stronger planet of these three. Um, Jupiter is still helping though. So Jupiter is known as the greater benefic, which just means it's usually like the most positive planet in a chart. So it's helping, uh, <clears throat> it's helping kind of lessen the burden that Saturn might bring. Um, the responsibility that Saturn might make you feel you have, there's kind of like a sense of hope and purpose around it. Some kind of faith that like things are going to get better, or maybe this is for a reason. Um, there's something that's making that burden of Saturn feel a little less heavy. This is also emphasized by the fact that Venus rules Libra. So we can always look to a ruling planet of a sign slash house to get more details about the manifestation of that energy. So your Venus is in Cancer in the ninth house, um, which brings up, one, Venus, other people, some kind of relationship, and two, this having to do with your philosophy, <laughs> philosophical views, your religion, um, where you've been, uh, your long-distance travels, anything like that. I Really, spirituality was the first thing that came to mind to me, but... Because this Venus in the ninth house of the higher mind is ruling the 12th, it makes me think that there's some other person, some like teacher maybe, or a religious figure or something like this, who really helped with whatever difficulty this 12th house situation brought you. Like there was maybe a trusted adult who really helped you get through or really like renewed your spirit or gave you something to feel hopeful about. Uh, now, Pluto is here to facilitate catharsis. It's here to clear things out. It's like a zoning of whatever house it's in. And in this house, the house, is a house of the unseen, it's like bringing everything to the surface. I think of like, um, you know, just water rising where like whatever was at the bottom kind of like comes up. That's very much Pluto in the 12th. Um, so especially with Saturn here, Pluto and Saturn can facilitate like some kind of test. Um, and because we're in the 12th house, I get the sense that you might feel isolated, like you're being tested and you have to 
like take certain actions that make you feel separate from people that kind of isolate you from the group, which obviously can feel really difficult. Um, there's some kind of natural clearing of things, um, especially because we're, we're in the sign of Libra, where it's about deciding what stays and what goes. We're at the harvest. What do we keep? What don't we need anymore? And like, I feel like you're having to make that decision over and over again um, in your life about deciding what stays, what goes, and having to have boundaries, but also knowing that those boundaries are um, important for you and that they're going to help you like feel better <laughs> and, and they're in support of the vision. So that's Saturn and Jupiter together, right? Okay, so I wanna talk about the fact that Saturn rules your third and fourth houses because we have such a strong Saturn we want, and it's in the 12th house, we wanna know how is that energy gonna manifest? And we can, again, look to Saturn's ruling signs to see um, kind of where that will show up. So your third house is about communication in the local environment that you find yourself in. It's like how we do things around here. And I, I personally like to think of the third house in opposition to the ninth because that's the axis that it's on. I think it's really like useful to think of it that way. So whereas the third house is the house of ritual, routine, daily, going about um, your uh, communication, the ninth house is about your higher learning, your um, long distance travels, your long-term visions. And what's interesting about this is the moon was said to rejoice in the third house. It was known as the house of goddess. And the sun was said to rejoice in the ninth house, the house of God. So again, we have this motif of the sun being spirit, the moon being um, the embodied state. And the third house is really about like how you every day go about your life. <laughs> I know that's like really abstract, but um, it has a lot to do with your environment, right? Like the effect the environment has on you, I think is a way we could say this. And then your fourth house is about your family. It's about your ancestry. And it's also about the hidden private self. It's the lowest part of the chart. So it's the most dark because remember the bottom half of the chart is um, the nighttime part. So with that, we can deduce because Saturn rules the third and the fourth that whatever kind of test is making you feel separate, whatever isolation or discernment or responsibility or burden you're having to bear that you maybe feels unseen um, by others or causes you to be isolated from the group is coming from the way that you were raised, um, the local environment you find yourself in and your family. Like these things are going to be interconnected. The first example I thought for when I thought of Saturn trining your third house specifically, because not only does Saturn rule your third house, it's making a trine, which is a supportive aspect. Um, and Saturn also rules your third house, as I keep saying. So the first thing I thought of with this was um, having to move a lot. Um, Possibly being in the foster care system, that's like very specific and likely not um, your case just because it's so specific. But as I reflect on the placements, I think of examples of ways they could show up. 
So there's something like this where you're feeling separate from everybody else um, growing up or there's um, there's something that's keeping you separate and it has to it's affecting your environment. It's also affecting your family because we're talking about the fourth house and I because we're talking about the fourth house, which is also the private self, it's making me think about you in your spirit feeling separate from people um, and feeling hidden and unseen and maybe not recognized um, in the way you want to be, um, particularly by family and the people that you're closest with. So that's what I'm getting from this. Um, I also get the sense, and this could be too specific as well, but just that you grew up in a very strict environment because Saturn is so strong, because Saturn's got this connection to your fourth house, and because there's an emphasis on spirituality, specifically with what's going on in the ninth house, I just get the sense that religion has been a big part of your life, that maybe there was a strictness in the home that kind of has something to say about this feeling of isolation in the twelfth, and... I just imagine that you faced some pivotal moments that kind of separated you from the group um, and that possibly this had to do with your family and your spiritual journeys in life. So uh, with Jupiter, though, Jupiter is ruling your second and fifth houses. Um, your second house is about your resources and talents. So because Jupiter's in the 12th house of the unseen, you may make a living actually supporting the disenfranchised. So you yourself may not be the one that's feeling isolated, hidden, sequestered. Although I would guess with what else is going on there, you probably have experienced that. Though you might actually be the one supporting them. Um, and Jupiter there kind of speaks to that as well. Like you may be the Jupiterian presence in the life of people who feel separated or alienated, etc. Um, you might just be like someone who's there to help and offer support and reassurance. Um, or, again, you may feel that others don't recognize you for the talents you know you have because we're talking about the connection to your resources, your second house. Neptune is also retrograde in your second, which tells me that um, there may be some confusion about what your talents actually are. Like, you may not always know where you're going. There might be a lot of inner work to, like, parse out what the talents and resources are. Um, but no matter what, the vision is rooted in values. One, because Neptune is very spiritual. And two, because we're talking about Sagittarius, which is all about like um, values. <laughs> it's very much like Jupiter, right? That's why Jupiter rules it. Uh, now, your fifth house is all about your creativity, your children, and uh, what you do for fun. So what I'm getting from that in particular, because Jupiter is like, sort of shadowed by Saturn in a way, you may have a hard time accessing your creativity. Like Pisces in the fifth house is a deeply creative placement in my mind, but it might feel sort of hidden from you, this creativity. Like you may have had to reconnect with it in a way. Like I, I bet there was a time in your life where you were like, ah, I'm not a creative person, but maybe with Uranus in the first house, trining um, your fifth house, there was some sort of realization at some point like, oh, actually I am creative and let me do like a total 180 on my life, right? Like that's a possibility. Um, you may also have been like kind of hard on yourself, like, oh, this isn't good enough and maybe sort of um, self-sabotaging your creativity. That's another way the 12th house can show up as a, a sort of self-sabotage. Like I stop myself right before I finish. Um, they're also like on the lighter side of things, you may just be really like disciplined in your approach to creativity because there's a Saturnine presence intermingled with Jupiter 
there might just be like this kind of groundedness to your creative process, which is honestly a great thing, right? Um, so because we're talking about the second and the fifth house in tandem, your natural resources and uh, your second house and your creativity, the, the fifth, are linked. There is something important about expressing what's unseen in the twelfth. Um, through your creativity, and I think in doing that, you will inevitably support your resources. So uh, that's what I've got for you, April. I hope that it was useful. I'm definitely open for questions. Feel free to DM, email, um, book the time and the link that uh, you'll find in your notes.